know you got weaknesses. And I'm here to tell you that in this moment and from this moment on, you cannot use your weakness as an excuse not to move forward in my strength. I know you got weakness. I made them. It's not a mystery to me. You formed me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And you created me with weaknesses. But why did you create me with weaknesses just to use me in a place where that weakness is going to be put out there in front of everybody to see? Why? Because it causes you to have to lean. You're coming out of Psalms chapter 139. Psalms chapter 139, verse 15. Psalm chapter 139, verse 15. And it says this, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Somebody say, he made me. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. You may be seated in his presence. You know, I, I, remember, I remember being a uh, 25, 25 year old, I think I was 25, babe, 25 year old intern here at, at Church on the Rock. Uh, I remember being filled right in the seat, Keisha, where you're sitting right now. The Holy Spirit filled me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I was out, felt like two seconds, but evidently it was happened at the beginning of service. And by the time I woke up, it was probably, I don't know, two o'clock, three o'clock. <laughs> and, and it was clear that God was doing something in and through me uh, to anyone that was there that day. And of course, it was clear to, to our, our then pastor, Pastor Todd. Foster and Pastor Leslie Foster, and, 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 and things just, just kind of took off from me. I remember in that moment in the Holy Spirit, the Lord pretty much saying to me, you know, if you take my hand right now, we are off to the races because we got so much work to do, and we, we are going to fly through this thing called life. Don't let go, but you have an option. Take my hand or you can turn away. I took his hand, and the rest, the rest is history. But in the midst of that, in the midst of that, I remember being a 25-year-old intern, and as I was, as I was learning to, to teach and I was learning to preach and I was delving deep into the Word of God, wanting to get more understanding, wanting to go beyond the surface, and, and every time I got to a deeper level, I recognized that there's an even deeper level there, and you could never go too deep for the Word of God. There's just always more. And so one of the challenges I had at 25 years old was how do I take all of this? And I still sometimes struggle with that. How do I take all that I have and give it to everybody in a, in, a, in a span of time where I can keep their attention because there's just so much. And I also found myself looking at other teachers and other pastors, and there's a, there's a good part of that because you're learning, you know, from those who have done it before you and those who are effective at what they do, but you got to be careful because if you watch somebody a little bit too much and you don't take any time watching yourself, you start mimicking the people that you watch. And I remember in the midst of this, really trying to find who I was in the kingdom. And Pastor Todd Foster came to me and we had a conversation as he was seeing what was happening in my life and how fast God was moving in my life. And, and he wanted to, to talk to me about teaching. And, and some of the most profound words came out of his mouth that day that will sound so simple to you, 
but it meant everything to me. In this moment, Pastor Toddy looked at me and he said, Jason, be your self. It doesn't matter what you see everybody else doing. It doesn't matter what you see working for this one, that one, and the other. It doesn't matter. Listen, there is something that God has in store for you, and he's chosen you because he created you, and he knows what's inside of you. And so when you get up there, whether you're in front of one person or 20,000, whether it's just you and your wife or you and your friends, whatever the situation is, I'm encouraging you in this moment, be yourself. Some of the, the words that absolutely changed, I believe, changed my life. I could be up here today, a carbon copy of some of your favorite preachers. And I'm telling you, the hardest thing to be is somebody else. Yet we all try it every now and again. If we're not careful, the hardest thing to be is someone else. And I believe that those words, they kind of change. They kind of change the, the trajectory of how God would use me, would use me in ministry. Listen, this morning, God wants to speak to us today in a message entitled, The Way I Am. The Way I Am. Am. And I, I want to really touch on that because sometimes we say that and it's a super duper great thing and sometimes we say it and it's, and it's not so good. And I believe God wants, to, wants us to explore all of that today. Listen, um, there is a, a, a personality, all kind of different tools that are out there for personality profiles. And so you can, you can, maybe you've experienced this in the workplace or maybe even, even right here at, at Church in the Rock in leadership, but there are all these different tools that are out there to help you recognize different personality profiles. Why is this important? Because you have to deal with people. You've got to, you have to deal with people in the workplace. You've got to work alongside people in ministry. You've got to be married to the, to the woman or the man in your household. And so it's important to know their personality types. Why? Because it helps you understand that person a little better and know how to navigate in some of life's challenging situations better, right? And so there's all these different personality profile. Miles Briggs, I don't know how many, I think they have like 16 different personality types that they have out there to help you determine which one you are mostly like. They have everything from the thinker who tends to focus on internal thoughts all the way down to the persuader who loves focusing on the here and now and loves large circles of people. There are introverts, people who do not get a lot of energy from social activity and being around a whole lot of people, whereas extroverts, they just get filled to the brim. The more they're around people, the happier and the more full they feel. It's all different personality, personality types. Now, now, the reality is this. And this is where we're going to land just for a little while, and then we're going to go somewhere else. Here's a challenge with understanding personality types. Some people, when they get to a place where they recognize what their personality type is, they'll also add on a whole bunch of other things that aren't necessarily personality types. Well, Pastor Jason, what, 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 are you, what, what are you talking about? You have to be careful about mistaking God-given personality types or personality traits with those quirks that have led to excuses in poor behavior. What do I mean? Well, well, you, you go to your, your best friend's house, and she says, come on over, girl. We're just going to have, have some food, and we're going to talk. We need to catch up. And then, and then you and your homegirl, you go over, and y'all just having a girl's day, and y'all are talking and hanging out. And you go, and you find out, as you walk in her house, her house is absolutely disgusting. 
You're stepping over clothes. You, they, the dog is over here in the corner. She got plates all on the couches. It's just, it's just disgusting. And then as a sister girl to another sister girl, you say, you know, how are you having a hard time? It just seems like things are a little bit, a little bit out of place. And she looks you square in the eye and she says, girl, you know, I'm just sloppy. That's just how I am. That's the response you should have. Mm. Even though y'all might do it in your head, but it should, mm. But, but it's not just that this is the situation that we have. Sometimes, sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's somebody that has a very short fuse. And life happens and, and little things happen and they, they fly off the handle. And they start just, just, just yelling and screaming and berating somebody. And then you go to them and say, hey, brother, what's going on, man? It seems, seems like you're having a rough day. No, I'm not having a rough day. It's just, you know, saying when somebody, when somebody comes to me, I go off. That's just how I am. That's just how, that's just how I am. And maybe it's, not, maybe it's not being a little disorganized. Maybe it's not having a, having a short fuse. Maybe, maybe it's isolation. Maybe, it's, maybe you just find yourself always, or you know somebody that finds himself doing whatever they can to isolate, to isolate, to isolate. It's just become a habit that they isolate. You won't see them for days, weeks, months, sometimes even years. They isolate, and you call them to check up on them. Hey, sis, hey, bro, how you doing? What's going on with you? Man, I haven't seen you at work. Man, I haven't seen you at the gym. Man, I haven't seen you around. What's going on? Oh, man, you know, I keep to myself, man. You know, I'm just, I'm just solo like that. Hey, hey, that's the way, that's the way I am. And you try to talk them out of it and you try to push them toward being the best version of themselves. And it seems like no matter what you say, they always come back with that one coverall. Hey, bro, you know me. That's just the way, that's just the way I am. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. Listen, the enemy can have a field day with people that think this way. If the enemy can convince you that your personality type is connected to a sin, or your personality type is connected to a less than, than, than better version of yourself, then you become a puppet on a string. Because, hey, that's, how, that's just how God made me. In other words, what they're saying is you can't talk to me about that. That's off limits because that's just the way I am. In other words, that's like, that would be like taking my arm off. That would be like taking my leg off. Listen, that's just, that's just how God created me. That's the way I am. And so you can't convince them out of anything. If you are convinced that a flaw or a, or a sin that is taking hold in your life has become a part of your personality, then you become a puppet on a string because the enemy can cloak himself as somebody who is, who is, who is encouraging you to just be yourself while real, realistically you are sinking in sin. You're sinking in and sin. What, what, is this, what does this mean? How does this look in the real world? If you, if you look around us today in the world, you, all you got to do is turn on the television. All you got to do is turn on the, the news. All you got to do is turn on your favorite radio station. And one of the key things that's always going to be pushed, it's been like this since biblical days, Old Testament, and it's just like that right now, is that sex and sexuality is pushed and it's pushed and it's pushed. I'm not going to go too deep into this because there are children in the room, but this is what is always pushed out there. And here's the challenge with the world that we live in and what I'm talking about today. And the enemy convincing you that sin is a part of your personality. He says, well, listen, you watch, you watch, uh, I don't know what the show was that came out, everybody saw, the Grammys. And these girls are on stage doing God knows what. And everybody's clapping and celebrating. You understand that when you celebrate that kind of sexual activity, you are celebrating somebody else's bondage. 
they don't, they're not hearing me this morning. When you are cheering on and celebrating somebody who is performing such lustful acts in front of the world to see, and you clap, and you cheer, and you buy their music, and you celebrate them, and you, and you comment on their Twitter page, you are celebrating their bondage. And the enemy, the whole time, is convincing them. It's your personality. It's how, it's how God made you. Well, that's just how I am. Listen, listen, I'm sexual. I just do everything and anything. I don't care because, listen, I'm free. That's not freedom. It's bondage. It's bondage. And you can't say anything to them because the enemy has fully convinced them that this is a part of their personality. It's just how, it's just how I am. And the enemy has a field day. Listen, to say your sexual promiscuity or your sloppiness or your laziness or your habit to isolate or your, your short fuse, you just go off on anybody, everybody, old ladies, old, don't matter. You just go off. To say that's a, person of your, per, a part of your personality, it's a part of your personality trait, is to suggest that God is flawed. I'll say that to the folks at home. To say, well, that's just the way I am. Listen, I cuss people out. You come for me, I'm coming for you. I don't care who you are, mama. I don't care. I go off. That's just the way I am. To say that is to say that God created you when he put you together, knit you together in your mother's womb. He said, I'm going to cause them to want to cuss people out all the time. Let me add a little bit of that in there. Put a little cuss in it. Put a little, sprinkle a little cuss in there. Let me get some laziness, throw it up on there. Isolation. That's, that's to suggest that we serve a flawed God. What, 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 do you, what, what, do you think, what are you saying, Pastor Jason? Listen, the bottom line is anything about your behavior that leads to sin is not a personality trait. It is a bad habit that stems from Satan's suggestion, period. I don't care what it is. Homosexuality, heterosexual, premarital sex, uh, 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 drunkenness, thievery. Laziness, gluttony, anger, list goes on and on and on. That's not a part of your personality trait. That's not how God made you. That resembles the fall of mankind, but that's not how God made you. That's not how God made you. Listen, God didn't make a single mistake when he made you. Can we go back to our, offer, to our opening verse real quick? I want to break this down before I go get to this next point because I want you to understand God is trying to give you and allow you to really see what is taking place is my frame was not hidden from you when I was made, listen, in the secret place. You understand when you, if you are an artist, shout out to all the artists, the visual artists, maybe you're a sculptor, you're a painter, whatever the case, you, when you are, are really focused and honed in and you really want to do your best work, a lot of times you go into what? Your studio. It's your private place where you can just focus. You're away from all the distractions and anything else. You're not multitasking this because it's that important to you. And so God is saying to us here, I formed you. Your inmost being, I formed you in a secret place. I did not multitask you when I made you. The God of the universe paid specific attention to you. Every single detail 
when he made you. He said, my frame was not, was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, God had a vision before he even began to form you. He had a vision of what you would look like and how you would be even before he formed you. To say this is just the way I am would suggest that God is flawed. And let me tell you this morning, if you don't know, the God that I serve is flawless. He's flawless. That's a good place to praise him. You don't got to hold in your praise. He's flawless. Listen, I want to show you something. We can show that, that slide real quick. I just see these things, and sometimes it, 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 baffles, my, it baffles my mind. Take a look at this, at this animal that we have. Is that not just ridiculously gorgeous? And this isn't some, some uh, your rare bird that you find by some volcano somewhere. Where nobody, this is a duck, y'all. It's just a duck. It's a duck. But look at how amazingly, and I don't want to spend too much time here, but I just can't stop looking. That's just gorgeous. It looks like God took a very fine paintbrush and carefully painted this bird piece by piece, wing by wing, the entire thing. Just take a moment and look, those of you at home, look at the detail. Look at the thought that had to go into creating something. And God and his infinite ability just spoke and this came to be. Look at the detail. Okay, now I want you to look at me for a moment and just get to this place where you recognize the scripture says the sparrow that neither reaps nor sows nor gathers for his nest I feed he says I clothe the lilies with fields and are you not of more worth to me than they so why child of God do you worry we sing about it all the time. I don't know why it became a funeral song, but we always sing, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. It's this reality that, listen, if he cares so much about that sparrow, listen, that means he cares that much. If he would pay that much attention to a duck, if he would pay that much attention to a duck, how much more attention? How much more attention do you think he paid to you when he formed you in that secret place? When he saw your unformed body, had a vision for who you would be and how you would be and how you would act and how you would react, saw the best godly version of yourself when he created you. How much more detail did he create when he made you. Listen, God is flawless. Everything that he made on you, he made it just so, just like the feathers on that duck that we just saw as, as, as the intricacy in which God created you. Yes, your physical being. Yes, your physical being. Yes, your mind. Yes, your, your, your body. Yes, yes, your dreams and the visions and the plans that he has for you. They're all with very specific detail. I preached a message uh, a long time ago called Meticulous God. He is very careful and the details all we have to do is be determined to walk out his plan for our lives and not always use that's the way I am as an excuse God is flawless and he's a God of detail listen 
as we talk about different personality types, and I'm talking about the real personality types, the introvert and the extrovert and the one who loves to, to work with people, the one who likes to, to work maybe solo and then bring it to people. All those different personality types, the, show, the social, the, the champion, whatever it is, all of those different things are well and good. But today I believe God wants to focus more not on how we are, but why we are. So in other words, yes, yeah, I'm an introvert, or I'm an extrovert, or I'm a champion. I love finding how to solve problems and then bringing it to people and seeing the situation get better. I just love that about my, that's just how I am. That's, that's wonderful. That's great. That is a healthy personality trait, unlike the ones that we just talked about. But, but I want us to start focusing less on what our personality traits are and more on why our personality traits are that. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Jason? Why I am, why are you that way. Why are you funny? Why? Why are you funny? Why, why are you just so sharp, man of God? Why are you so good looking, man of God? Why are you so beautiful, woman of God? Why are you so, why are you so athletic? Or why are you so outgoing? Or why are you so soft-spoken? Why are you so observant? All these different things. God is saying, I want you to start paying attention because if I'm a God of detail, I want you to start focusing not just on what, but why. Let's get deeper into this, and then I'm going get to us, get us out of here. Whether you're an introvert who loves time alone or an extrovert who gets filled from being social or a champion or whatever those different personalities are today, today God wants us to focus not only on what, but why. Listen, sometimes your God-given personality traits is a strength which provides a necessary boost into God's will for your life. In other words, sometimes you can look at your, the strengths in your personality type and it can clue you in on how God wants you to move forward for his vision for your life. Now, let me say this before I move any further. The vision and the plan that God has for your life overall is for you to make disciples. Everybody say make disciples. That is the overall, so somebody wants to say, well, why, why am I here on this earth? What's my purpose? To make disciples and to see sinners saved and come to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ, giving them the full, unashamed, not watered down, no sugar added, no preservatives, word of God, that they would be, be saved and become lifelong students and learners of Jesus Christ and his word. That is the reason why you're taking in oxygen this very moment. Just in case... Just in case you were unsure. But now watch this. But there's a whole myriad of ways that God wants to use you to do that. Y'all still with me? So if you've got this personality that just attracts people to you, guess what? That's your personality type because God wants you to just, the, the fish to just be jumping into your boat. It's not just because you're good looking and funny and, and all that. It's because God wants to attract them to you so that you can attract them to him. If you've got this amazing ability to sing or play an instrument, guess what? God doesn't necessarily want you on the Grammys playing all kind of nonsense and satanic music and then get to the podium talking about some. Well, I just want to thank God. God had nothing to do.
God had nothing to do with that. You were supposed to use that talent, skill, and that ability to bring people closer to God. And so whatever your personality type is, whatever your personality, whatever your talent, it is all supposed to be used to bring people to Christ. If you're using your personality for anything other than that, there's no wonder why you always feel off track and tired and worn out. Doesn't matter how strong a train is. When it gets off the track, it's not going anywhere. Oh God, it's quiet. Let me keep, let me keep going. Traits as a strength. Reverend Dr. the late Martin Luther King Jr. at, at 15 has said that, that he showed from childhood, he had a champion personality. He loved to look at huge, gigantic problems and find a way using his ability to, to speak, to, to help people to, to gain energy to solve these problems. This is Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King at 15 years old. And, and in fact, he, he went on to perform, a, a, uh, to go into a lot of speaking competitions and, and would win, win prizes and, and would watch his dad as he preached the word of God. And so you can look at Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King at 15 years old and link that to the, to the plan and the will that God has for his life. His strength was very clearly connected to God's purpose for his life. We can say the same thing for King David. David, here he was. He wasn't, he, the scripture says he was the least of his brothers. He wasn't the biggest one. He wasn't the baddest one. But David was humble. And David had fought his lions and his tigers and his bears. Oh, my. And he had experienced all of these victories, right? And he had a fervor for the things of God. And he had a kingdom mentality. And so you could look at young David and then see David, how he turned out as one of the greatest kings that we know in scripture. And you can link his strengths to what, how God and why God used him in the scripture. His personality traits complemented God's vision for his life. Y'all see how that works? Now watch this. Sometimes, sometimes your traits serve as a weakness. Well, well how come David got to use his strengths and get propelled into his kingship and his place in the kingdom and my personality trait's got to be a weakness. How is a weakness going to propel me into the things of God? Let me, let me explain. Y'all look like y'all want to learn something today. Sometimes your God-given personality serves as the weakness. Let's look at, y'all know the story, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. It said, then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord. I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant, but I'm, I'm slow of speech, and I'm slow of tongue. Y'all remember this? So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say, there it is, right there. Did y'all catch it? If you read carefully, you'll catch it. So you mean to tell me God's got all, trust me, there are men that God could have used that are skilled with their words. 
Come there, child. And just got the baritone and chest poked out and are real convincing with their words. And this is what Moses is thinking as he's standing in the presence of God. And I bet he's looking around and he's saying, listen, God, I don't know about you, but I don't have the skill. I don't know how to talk. In fact, I don't like getting up in front of people and I don't know what to say. And people are going to look at me like I'm crazy. And there's a million other people that talk better than me. And so I don't know why you're choosing me. And I don't talk in front of people well because that's just the way. So, in other words, choose somebody else. You got the wrong, you got the wrong one. And God says something interesting. He said, who made man's mouth? Then he says, who made the deaf and the lame and the blind? In other words, he's taking credit. He said, I made them all. So let's go back to our point. You got, you got strengths or personality strengths that propel you into the things of God. And then I said, but then you have weaknesses that also propel you into the things of God. Moses is struggling. He doesn't want to go. This is a weakness. Moses isn't. Not only does he have a hard time speaking, but he's an introvert. I'd rather just sit here and deal with these lamb and chill. I don't know about all that free and nation stuff. That's not me. I relax. That's the way (laughs) I am. And then God says, who made you that way? He said, who made you? Who made your mouth? In other words, I know you got weaknesses. And and I'm here to tell you that in this moment and from this moment on, you cannot use your weakness as an excuse not to move forward in my strength. I know you got weakness. I made them. It's not a mystery to me, but no longer in this moment. And this was a changing point. This was a pivotal moment and how God would use how God would use Moses because from that moment he went forward in the things of God. Why? Because Moses caught it. He got what God was saying. Oh my gosh, you formed me. You knit me together in my mother's womb and you created me with weaknesses. But why did you create me with weaknesses just to use me in a place where that weakness is going to be put out there in front of everybody to see? Why? Because it causes you to have to lean I don't know what to say, God. I got all these people, and they're complaining, and they're murmuring, and no matter what I say, and and if they're not listening to you, why are they going to listen to me, God? And the whole time, Moses is doing exactly what God wanted him to do. Lean in. Lean in a little harder. Matter of fact, put all your weight. Put all your weight on me. Lean in a little harder. That's right. I'm going to use your weakness to propel you into the things that I have for you. Because watch this. Some of us, if all we had were strengths, we'd lose our ever-loving minds. If some of us, all we had were strengths, we would start getting real cute with it. If God called, for all we know, God called Moses, and Moses had been trained up, and he had been with everyone that was so skilled in their words, and he was a skilled orator, and then God called him, you know what Moses might have said? Yeah, God, I got that. You didn't even got to say no more. I got you, I got you, I got you. Moses, all of a sudden, no, no, I got you, I got you. You got to say, I never say last, I got you. And took off and said all kind of nonsense and messed himself up. And this is not to hit the church, but this is just real talk. I see some preachers. 
I see some preachers that are out there. And sometimes I scratch my head and I wonder, but did God, did God call them to ministry? Because they seem to have a whole, there's a difference between confident and cocky. Confidence and conceit. And so I see a whole lot of this going on. And it makes me wonder if they're one of the ones that God, I'm not saying God didn't want to use them, but it makes me wonder, maybe God wanted to use their weakness, but they just not paying attention to that, and they only focusing on their strengths, and they're getting real cute with it. And now, as strong as they are as a train, they're off the track. And a whole congregation. So I just want you to be encouraged this morning. If you look at yourself and you say, man, I'm not good at this, or I'm not good at that, or I look like this, or I look like that, and, and I went to school for this, but I, it, just, it, just, it just isn't in me to be able to do that, that kind of thing. I just want to encourage you this morning. The reality is God wants to use your weakness as a strength. Somebody say, lean on him. Lean in on him. I don't know what it looks like in the workplace for you. I don't know what that looks like in your household. I don't know what that looks like in your family. But whatever the case, God is saying, I don't want you to shy away from the weakness. And I'm talking about the weaknesses that I created in you. I created the mute, the deaf, and I made, I created the, the, the lame. Don't worry, I'm talking about all of those different things, your introversion, all of those different things. I want to use them to cause you to lean in on me. Swagger with a limp. I want you to walk with confidence, but at the same time recognize that you're nothing without me. And sometimes the best way that God knows how to do that is by helping you to see that you've got some weaknesses that God wants to, wants to use you for. Is this making sense to anybody this morning? Now, now watch this. Paul was, a, Paul was another one. Scripture says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It says this. It says, I'm going to start from therefore. Therefore, in order to keep me, watch this, in order to keep me from getting a big head, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a weakness, something that reminded me, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Next verse. Three times I pleaded, Lord, take this weakness away from me, God. Take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in all of your strengths. My power is made perfect in your perfection. My power is made perfect in you pretending that you all that and that you don't have any flaws. My power is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul says this, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. This is why I love Paul because he gets it. I'm not like these guys that are out there trying to show all of their strengths as if they have nothing but strengths and they're not flawed in any, in any way whatsoever. No, but I'm one of those that recognizes, oh my goodness, I'm weak, but because I'm weak, I can boast in my God who makes me strong. In spite of my weakness, I am able to do things that only the strong in Christ can do. And so when you are weak and you recognize you're weak, it gives you the opportunity to glorify God in the midst of his power. 
Strength is made perfect. My strength is made perfect. Listen, weakness causes dependence. I believe that sometimes God causes your natural inclinations to conflict with his plan for your life because the harder it is for you to do it in, his own, in your own strength, in your own skill, in your own personality, the more you'll lean on God to get it done. I, I always say, I say this to my staff all the time, if we can do it on our own, he's not in it. If you can do it on your own. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm just saying to you, for the dream that God has for your life, for the thing, the plan that God has for your life, if you could just do it in and of yourself, you just might be off the track. It should scare you. God's plan for your life, it should make you a little, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Yes, that's where God, that's where God wakes up in your relationship. Yes, you can't do it, but I can. I can. Somebody say, I am weak, but he is strong. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. I hit y'all with a lot in a short amount of time. Y'all okay? Y'all get anything from this? This may be one you got to watch. You got to watch again because I hit you with some stuff and I want you to go back and think about it. In fact, a good number of the words that the Lord gives us here at Church on the Rock. I don't know if you can get it all in one sitting. That's just me, personally. So, go back. Get everything you can from the Word of God. Maybe that's a weakness that you have. I hear a word once, and I think I got it. Thank you. 45 minutes, I got it! <laughs> Nine times out of ten, there's something, something you missed. You know, if we, we're all getting ready to go in our cars and we're going to drive, maybe get something to eat, go to the grocery store before you get home, and then prayfully relax on this Sabbath day. And on your way home, you're going to see all kind of cars. You're going to see GMCs. You're going to see Toyotas. You're going to see Camrys. You're going to see... You're going to see Saabs. You're going to see Kias. Jeeps. Volkswagen Beetles. You're going to see all kinds of cars. And, and, I, and I guarantee, I guarantee that when you pull up to that red light next to that yellow Volkswagen Beetle, if you got a yellow Volkswagen Beetle, I'm not making fun of you. Shout out. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But I guarantee you, you're not going to turn your head and look at that Volkswagen Beetle and say, oh, my gosh. Look at that Volkswagen Beetle. Ooh, that's a bad boy right there. Oh, I don't even want to go past the light. I just want to sit and look at this Volkswagen Beetle. And then you keep on driving, and then you see a GMC. Oh, my gosh, look at that GMC. Oh, look at that Toyota over there. Oh, my gosh, look at that Toyota. That's a black 1998. Camry, oh my gosh, stop. I just can't, I don't want to, I guarantee you, when you drive home, you're just going to see cars and you're going to keep it moving. Why is that? Because you see cars all the time, Pastor Chase. There's nothing, nothing interesting about a car. Nothing interesting about a 1998 Toyota Corolla. Why? Because you know that that car was put on the assembly line. And I don't care how much you love your car, how, how many times it got you from A to B, and what memories you have from that car. There are about a billion more. 
just like it. And so when you drive home, you're not going to stop and gaze at every car that passes by. Now, 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 if you, if you pull up to a red light, this happened to me the other day. I was bringing Joshua to basketball, I mean baseball practice, and I'm parking my car. And a mother of pearl, iridescent, bitly, drop top. The car is so nice and make you get ugly. Like, good. Pulled up next to me, smooth. It's more, more rare, you know, than some of the cars we see. And so I stopped and I gazed and I looked at it. And I'm not talking about, you know, adoring material things. I'm just making a point here. Like, this is, this is something that was rare. And so I couldn't help myself. I said to him, hey, man, that's a, that's a nice car. You only bring that out in the spring, right? He said, yeah, actually, I only bring it out in the summer. But my wife has some running around to do. So I'm just, I'm just here, here today. Um, and then we started talking about the car. And he starts telling me, well, you know, we start talking about cars, guys, like this. <laughs> As I'm stepping out on my, my GMC, he said, "Well, you know this the inside <laughs> the inside of this here. This ain't this ain't this ain't uh, uh, from the factory. I had them pull all the leather out. <laughs> he started getting loud. I had them pull all the leather out. This is ostrich. I don't believe him, but he said this is ostrich. Fine ostrich skin. The back seat is rhino skin. He started talking about all this stuff. And he might have been telling the truth, but the point is, in that moment, you realize, man." This is a one of a kind. This didn't just fly off of the assembly line. And so it hit me. The same way I looked and I looked at this man's mother of pearl iridescent Bentley GT with the ostrich fur and the ostrich leather. And I was just looking. Son, late for practice, I'm looking. <laughs> the same way I did that. God just hit me. Are you of not more worth to me? Are you of not more worth to me? And so maybe the next time you get up, breath stinking, stuff all in your eye, hair not done yet, don't know what's going on, what time is it, and you get to the bathroom to brush your teeth, and you look in that mirror, maybe this time, You'll recognize, oh my God, I wasn't just pushed off of some assembly line. I'm not all mechanics and wheels and ostrich skin or whatever he had in his car, but I'm made from the finest materials on earth by the greatest, most amazing God that anyone could ever worship my flawless God. He made me. And so recognize when you look yourself in the mirror with all of your strengths and with all of your weaknesses that God didn't make you on an assembly line, but he formed you together carefully. In your mother's womb, with strengths connected to his will for your life, with weaknesses that cause you to lean on him with everything you have, and with the ability to deny yourself and not come up with that lame excuse to say, that's just the way I am. God says the way you are is to strive to be the best version of you that you can be in me. That's just the way you are. So let's pray.
Let's pray today. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that, that I've had to preach this word. Anyone that came in this morning feeling like they just, they're just not enough and they don't measure up. Anyone that came in, Lord God, maybe a little conceited, saying to themselves, I got this, I got that. But you kind of put a spotlight on their weaknesses, not so that they would, that you would beat them down, but that you would cause them to lean in on you. Maybe they came in this morning and they, Lord God, were one of those people that all their life they've been saying, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. Lose the job. That's just the way I am. Get divorced. That's just the way I am. Get kicked out of your home. That's just the way I am. Today, God is confronting you to be the best version of yourself. Lord, I just pray for these who have heard this word. May they go back, regurgitate it, and get everything from this word that they can be. And may they leave recognizing, no, they didn't come off of some assembly line. Out of the zillions of people that have walked this earth, there is only one of them. And so help us to walk in that reality, knowing full well that you love us. That you love us. In Jesus' name. Listen, maybe you heard this word today. And something about this word touched your heart in a deep way. You can't explain it. You can't quite figure it out. You're choking back tears, and you don't know why. You feel like, like, like this, everything is, 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 is new, and, and a whole lot rides on this very moment. Well, I just want to let you know that that's the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart this morning. And the scripture says, if any man would, would, enter, would open and let me enter, I will sup with him and him with me. In other words, a relationship can begin. You let the Lord in, allow him to be the head of your life. Accept him as Lord and Savior. The reality is this. Unless you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and as long as you make up in your mind to say, well, that's just the way I am, you'll be saying that's the way I am to your grave, and you will die disqualified. And you will suffer an eternity in a place called hell. Hell is real. And you will go there lest you accept him as Savior by his grace. So maybe you're weak right now. Hallelujah, we have the strength of the Lord and his redemption right at your fingertips. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you're saying, that's me, that's me. I don't know if I died right now, if I would, if I would go to heaven or if I would go to hell. Well, let me tell you, better safe than sorry. Maybe you know for a fact that you've never accepted him, but you feel in this moment, this is your time. This is your moment. Everything changes today. Could you just wave at me if you're here in the house? If you're here in the house, it looks like it's mostly family today, but if you're here today, just say, that's me, that's me, that's me, standing in the need of prayer. Praise the Lord. Then you're right there at home. You're right there at home. I can't see the harvest, but I know it's there. I know it's there. And so right there in your home, I just want you to lift your hands and say, yeah, Pastor Jason, you're speaking to me. We're going to pray this prayer right here in this church, but I want you to pray it out loud right there at home. Let's pray. Say, Father, here I am, Lord. I recognize that I have strengths, but I also recognize that I have weaknesses. And, Lord, those weaknesses, they have led me to do things that were against your will, Lord. I have sinned many times. And I've made the excuse that that's just the way I am. But Lord, today, I realize that because of your blood and the sacrifice you made for me and the way you formed me in my mother's womb, 
I recognize I'm better than that. And by your blood, I am set free, I am redeemed, and I am healed. Today, I run away from a life of sin, and I run to your righteous, outstretched hand. Lord, I believe that you suffered, that you died, and were buried. And on the third day, you rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures, and you ascended into heaven. You gave me, give me the gift of your Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, change me, to empower me, to love me. Fill me now, Lord. On this day, O oh God, you are mine. Finally, I am yours. Come on, somebody, this morning. Come on, if you got something this morning. Just give the Lord a shout of praise of thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. Thank you for putting things into perspective for me. Now go out. Hear it. Do it. Share it. Hear it. Do it. Share it. Y'all say that. Hear it. Do it. Share it at home. Hear it. Do it. Share it. God bless you, Church on the Rock. I'll see y'all next week.